Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Tuesday night. Let me see if I can do the Haftar now. And get through this week, uh, which is being sponsored once again by the Shulchan family, Beit and Ariella, and relatives, um, in memory of Jake Shulchan, again a very close friend, not a real prince of a person. And uh, this weekend is the uh, is the yard site. <clears throat> now, uh, if you come to my show, you have a big kids. Anyhow, um, you have the Torah beer. Of uh, really Isaiah forty one Malav. I mean, there's some beginning stuff, but as is often the case, as I always keep explaining or try to explain, they add extra things into the Torah. The main message, what's Nogaya, is in the middle, and that's equal to what the Gaim called chapter forty one Malav. And here you have reference to Abraham Avinu, and that's why it's mentioned in Lech Lecha, and specifically, um, the war of Abraham against Kedar Omer. That's the kind of unusual sort of thing over here. Uh, and I'm not 100% sure why Yeshayo is doing this, unless you say, from a firm perspective, that he's living at a time when he's in the kingdom of Yehuda. Out there is the great empire of Ashur and of Egypt. The state of Israel at that time, where the kingdom of Yehuda was a small little bupkis, and it was very hard to survive against these great powers. And in point of actual fact, the Assyrians at one point or another invaded and devastated and brought about a holocaust in the kingdom of Judah. I told you, I am planning a, a, a Jewish history trip. Um, still time to sign up if anybody wants. In early January, second week. And one of the places we plan to do is the Lachish where they had the Assyrian invasion and holocaust. And you therefore see in the parasha today, that the prophet Isaiah is saying, as I understand it, uh, don't worry about being small or anything like this. Avram Avinu was small and he beat the others. I call upon you, the islands or the, or the powerful people. Let's have a debate. And this is Yeshayo speaking on behalf of Hashem. He couldn't even be for himself. And what he's saying is like this. Avram was one alone and he won. So Israel or the Jews or whatever can always win if, like Abraham, they're righteous and God is on their side. After all, who's the one, you know, who stirred up the one from the east? He called him in righteousness to his service. Avram Avinu was not born in Israel. He's from uh, Urkazdan, which is in Iraq, southern Iraq. So we Jews are not native Israelis. We are Iraqis who emigrated 3,500 years ago, whatever, uh, to Israel at the command of God. That's Gufa Devort of the Parsha. And when Avram showed up there, uh, he did so because God told him, Me hate your me 
who stirred him up from the east. Now, as Hashem says the words, as you know and I know, so that means Hashem is pushing you to leave the east and go to the west, to Israel. And as he says over here, he's calling him uh, in righteousness, or it's a hard one to translate. Uh, you know, right? I mean, it's hard one to translate. Uh, it's possible even to say, you know, victory meets at every step. That's how Arya Kaplan translates it. It's also true. Notice he had an un, 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 um, unbroken chain of victories. Avram was never defeated. He defeated nations and kings. He rendered them like dust with his sword. He rendered them, uh, no, he busted them, you know, Kedarl Omer and all that, like driven stubble with the bow. All this, a wind blow. So when Avram took him on, uh, he cut him to pieces. Now, this is actually a very interesting point because in this week's Parsha, you have Avram Avinu in two roles, A and B. And I think one affects the other. The Hainu. At the beginning, Avram goes to Canaan, then there's a famine, he runs away to Egypt. When he's in Egypt, like the Ramban explains, he didn't act so 100%. He says his wife is his sister, he gets money from them, looks like he sold his wife. That's the Ramban, you know. In other words, he did not act in a classy way. Uh, and yet, Avram tries to be a classy person, among other reasons, so he can be a good missionary. And clearly he sees from the way things turned out that, you know, he should have had been talking. What do I mean? All of his plans to hide sorrow from Pharaoh did not work. But in the end, Hashem intervened. And so Hashem could have done that from the beginning. So when Avram said, you know, it's my sister and this, that, and the other, um, he, he could have relied on Hashem. And... To be perfectly honest, when he takes the money and the presents from Pharaoh, which seems to be have made him rich, uh, so when he did that, so people must say like this: "He's a Jew. He sells his mother for ten cents." You know that's what comes across. Avram hatev ba'avura. So how come Avram get all this money? Well, you know. He tried to hide his wife, uh, God intervened, and Avram figured like this, I might as well make a profit out of the situation, so he got money out of it. This is why, as I understand it, this is me, later on, the king of Sodom, after the battle, says, keep the money, you know, I know who you are, you're a guy that's interested in money all, all the time. And Avram said, the heck with you, I I don't want any, a penny of yours. But it's a very classy. This represents Avram, as far as I'm aware, as the first guy in history who conquered an empire, could have gone in to take over the whole thing and declined to do so. That's the classy part. He declined to do so. And uh, that's the reference over here. Me her me uh, he can crush all the goyim. I busted them like they were, they were chaff or like dust. Okay, he pursues them unscathed. And he took past 
that others never did before. What do you mean he took paths that others never did before? Now you can learn, like Rashi, whoever, you know, they, he ambushed them. I mean, that is true also. I did that, I think, last year or two years ago. It's very interesting to study the campaign of Abraham and his 300 men fighting against a much larger set of armies. And he did, it looks like he did a hit and run on them. If you read the Chumash, because this is Vayir Defame, Archova, you know, say so hit him and run, hit and run, hit and run, like the Russians did to Napoleon on the way out, and busted them. Uh, and freed all the captives and got the money and so forth. So by the time Avram is finished with these guys, which is up near Damascus, they were all busted. You know something? They mounted a gigantic invasion from Iraq into Syria and to Israel, and they devastated everything when, in their path. A bunch of bums. They came down and destroyed and devastated and from what they did to Sodom, you can figure out what they did to the others. So why did Avram say like this? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm going to do it to you. By the time Avram finished uh, smashing their armies, there weren't any. And he could have gone on to Elam and Kedarlar Melchelam and Arich Melchelam. He could have taken them to Iraq. And Avram would have been a great uh, conqueror and empire. And uh, that's what you did in the ancient days. Somebody tried to conquer you, you conquer them, you take over their territory. And he could rule as a powerful monarch and all the rest of it. That's not what he chose to do. That's not what he chose to do. Avram said, You keep the people, you keep the money, I don't want anything. Okay? Uh, so look what he says over here. You're the fame, Yavar Shalom, Orch Barak Lo Yavo. I would translate as, You're the fame, Yavar Shalom. He, he chased after them, he conquered but Shalom, he didn't want anything. It was he was okay. He wasn't looking for anything for himself. Me, Paul also. Now, how could a guy? Where do you get a guy like this? How could he pull this off? Kori Hadoros Mirosh. The whole thing was foreordained by God, who is Kori Hadoros Mirosh, who see who call, who proclaims history before it happens. In other words, when you look at history, you can either read it as a a movie an endless miniseries, in which there's another parsha and another chapter and another episode and another episode and another episode. I know what happened this part in my life. I don't know what's going to happen in the next part of my life. Let's wait Let's wait to see the next chapter. Or you can say there's a pattern to history in which you see God as a plan. Now, that's not always so simple to do. Although, I always say, once you become middle-aged in life, you can sort of see that. If I ask you, the listener, do you see... A derech that God ordained for your life. I, I mean, I think, you know, you're not going around saying it, but I, I think you do, correct? You know, this happened, that man, you married this person, you end up living in this place and that place, this kind of job, this relationship fell through, that job fell through. I mean, it's, there's, 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 there's a, a method to it. Now, in a, the regular life of a little, you know, pipsqueak like you and I, so it has local interest. If you and I were, uh, movers and shakers that change the history of the world, then we would, ooh, you know, then you'd say, boy, this is foreordained. Well, Avram was like that. Okay? Avram, we believe, was like that. He changed the world. Me, Paul, also. Who caused all this? Korea Mirosh. Hashem, who wrote out the play before the play took place. I was there in the beginning and at the end. So in other words, whatever happened to Avram was foreordained. And therefore, that's a simon, says Yeshayahu, that we should read the Lech Lecha, 
sort of as a mice of a symbol of bottom. And not only that way, that's not the point, but to see us ourselves living within the context of that kind of way of operating, which means we see ourselves as part of Jewish history. You understand? We see it part of Jewish history. Great chain of being, whatever you want to call it. And uh, if a person is armed with that kind of consciousness of self, that enables you, I think, to uh, withstand the anti-Semitism, a lot of other junk that gets thrown our way, because a lot of stuff does get thrown our way. That is who we are. And so, as he says, Ani Hashem Rishim Esachornim, who I was there in the beginning, at the end, and because it is, each of us should encourage and help the other. Because we can say we got this far, a couple thousand years, and Chazak, uh, and, uh, you know, Gezeru, help. Now, um, you know, you could disagree with that interpretation. I mean, this is what I think. Um, you could, there are ways of explaining it other than that. But let me put it this way Why do we say it's such a tragedy? if somebody converts or marries out or something like that. Because you say, look, here you are, you have a family that's going on for 3,000 years. That's a long time. And you drop it. You understand? Let's say, for argument's sake, it's something called the Friedman family. Uh, and they've been around for 3,500 years. That is a long time. Until the year 2022, when this guy ends up marrying a chicks or something like that, and from now on it's all over. Uh, as, as, a, as a tragedy, you see... Look back to Abraham and realize what you come from and try to hold up the chain. Everybody should say, hold fast, be chazak, in order to maintain this. And he goes on to say, Therefore I say to you, I chose Yaakov. You guys go back a long, long way. It's not a short story over here. It's not like you're an American, which is a country that's only 250 years old. And even in America, people, and I respect this, will say, oh, my father has fought in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and this and that and the other. I'm real Amer I mean, I get that. But then if you're Jewish, then you, it, it's times 10. You know, you said my father fought with Abraham <laughs> at the Battle of Damascus or something like that, right? I took you from the ends of the earth. See, Zara Avramovi. I, God, took you. And I called you from its farthest corners. You see? To say, because Bavil is far away. Uh, and I said, I have chosen you, and I'm not going to dump you. So, Yeshayo, um, as they say again, has to say this, uh, to say this because Probably a lot of people during that time were saying like this, who wants to be Jewish? The enemy's coming. They just wiped out the ten lost tribes. That happened at this time. And then, they, like I said, they're going after Yehuda. And it's not like the kingdom of Yehuda was run by such smart people when it comes to foreign policy. I made that point many times that um, the kingdom of Yehuda actually was very deficient in foreign policy smarts, which is why they did not listen to Yeshayahu and the Nevi'im. To put it in simple terms, they always relied on Egypt, who always will stab you in the back. And uh, they suffered as a result of this. So they weren't as smart as they held themselves to be. 
It makes you a little bit scared because you look at Israel also. Today they have the elections in Israel. I don't know what the results are, but all these guys hold themselves to be such smart guys. I don't know. I think the Arabs run, run rings around them. Yeah, they ain't as smart as they think. And you have to rely on a kind of a, you know, a divine providence. Uh, that doesn't mean you do something blindly. I mean, you, you give your shtadlis, no question about it. But, you know, you got to, whoa, uh, <laughs> you got to have the, the, the sense of self-worth. And, and therefore, al-tirakim chanim. Therefore, Yeshaya says, don't be scared, because I'm there. You see? Don't get scared because I'm on your side. I was amit you, I was ozer you, I was telling you these are all the shonas, but I'm supporting you. Now, uh, if the prophet has to go on to tell the Jewish people, don't be ashamed. Uh, you know, don't be uh, uh, discombobulated. It means the people were. I mean, that's a rule in not only Torah, but anywhere. If you see somebody saying, don't be like that, so you see he was like that. Or I want you to do this and this and this. It means the person he's speaking to or the group of people were not holding it that yet and they're being urged to be this way. So if you see, Altira of the Yaakov, don't be, afra- don't be afraid, my people, Jacob. That means that the Bnei Yisrael, the Jacob, was afraid. Now, if you're living in the time of Shayo, why would people be afraid? That's how I think. You just work yourself backwards. And you know that the period that Yeshayahu was talking about was a terrible period in terms of invasions and devastations and families were killed and people were tortured and, and so on and so forth. And therefore, uh, the only way that the king of Yehuda and therefore the Klal Yisrael, which is a met- whose metaphor it is, can survive is with divine help. All right? Hengi voshu vi kolmu kol bach. As he says, all those who are going against you will find themselves embarrassed and ashamed. You kind of they'll end up being bupkis. Uh, this is a powerful uh, prophecy. I don't know if I'm doing it justice. And what he's saying is, since Hashem runs the show, particularly in the Middle East, so um, if Hashem decides, he can bust up and destroy uh, the enemies of the Kla Yisrael, more or less without them having to do anything. Now, um, I'll tell you what this makes me think of. Uh, We've seen uh, in the Middle East all these different Arab and Muslim countries sometimes go through very strong crises. And you can understand that this Hashem protecting Israel through this. The only question is, is Am Yisrael, or Medina Yisrael, whatever you want to call it, are they, you know, acting in the right way to earn this? If they are, then the enemies can be destroyed. Mom's what he says over here, that, uh, you know, you'll seek them and they won't be there. They'll all be busted. And I'll tell you an example of what I mean. Uh, in the last 30 years, 30 years, we've seen three Middle Eastern countries go through 
big tsars. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, first of all, Iraq got busted and is still in the state of being busted. Then Syria. And now, possibly, I don't know, Iran. Because, you know, the women are going crazy over the shaito business over there. Uh, and the government has not been able to suppress this as I speak. Maybe in the future when you hear this, you might not want to talk about it. There's all these riots going on in Iran. And the locals can do things that foreigners cannot do in terms of disrupting a country. If we were Zoha, then Israel wouldn't have to fight Iran and they wouldn't back uh, Hezbollah and other junk. The whole regime would fall apart because they beat up this girl who wasn't wearing the right kind of shape or whatever was going on over there. Right kind of tickle. Uh, that would be quite remarkable. No, it would be a, a fulfillment of the prophecy that you had in this week's Parsha. Of the Haftorah, I mean. Because it's saying that Azarticha, Masticha, uh, you know, and so forth, uh, I Hashem can run the show. If you'll act in the right way, I can take care of things. And it won't be that you'll have to fight them and defeat them. They'll fall apart on their own. Because, take it from me, every country in the Middle East now is so constituted to have such tremendous internal problems for one reason or another that it could really fall apart at any time. So, we've always been afraid of Iraq and Syria and places like that. Really, they're conglomerations of of different groups that don't even like each other in the country. Take Iran, for example, today, which is such a terrible problem for Israel. Again, again, the A-bomb, they're back in the Hezbollah and all the rest of it. I mean, Iran is not a country all full of Persians. Iran has gigantic minorities that hate the Persians. The Kurds and, uh, you know, Baluchistan and this, and that, and the other. They got all kinds of groups over there that like to shake the Persians, which is fine with me, because the, the Persian regime is out to get Israel. Uh... That's the meaning, you kind of efforts, you virtually calmo, that the Navi is saying it can happen. That's why I'm the one that can help you, Hashem says. And um, on the other hand, it can also be, this is hard to explain exactly, that you can cause the, 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 the trouble your enemy by being, and here he uses a very interesting figure of speech. Um, which you never know exactly the meaning exactly of the mushal, or at least I don't. And he says, I can make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them or reduce the hills to, to chaff. What's the shot that I have like an iron implement that has all kind of teeth in it that can crush a mountain? So uh, you could say it's a mushal for military power. I would say... That's a muscle for the power of the word. It's very interesting. You know, I'll make you into a threshing sledge with many teeth. If the Avram Avinu, for example, was a mighty machine that destroyed Avodazara. Not overnight and not during his lifetime, but he began the process, which after a while pretty much wiped out the classic Avodazara. I'll say it again. It took a thousand years, but, but, but the process started with Abraham. And he was like a threshing sledge, had many teeth, you know, look like a mouth. And he threshed the mountains and he crushed them. Right? He was a morak harutz chadosh ba'al pibiyoz tadosh harim b'tzadok was tasim. So much so that we stand today and we wonder how could people fall for Avodah Zarah long ago? 
which is exactly what he says in the Parsha. You will winnow them, the wind will pick it up, and a gale will blow them away. Which, if you remember, is in the image in the book of Daniel, where they had this statue, and then it crushed and turned into dust, and the wind blew it all away. To me, when the wind blows it all away, it means that we today cannot even understand what things were like at that time there was an attraction. We say there was a Yitzhar of Odazar, we don't know what it's like. It's different than today. I mean, I know all that, and so do you. But the way he describes it in this fashion. So I'm just saying that if you look at this Parsha closely, and you understand it's referring to Avram, uh, you see a lot of very interesting and powerful uh, messages uh, which apply even today. Uh, because Israel is still a country, a small country in the larger Middle East. And uh, like Avram, we're not interested in conquering the other places. Tainly, I never, you know, uh, what's, the, what's the word he says? We don't want anything from the Arab countries. Just leave us the heck alone. Uh, not look for presents. Uh, that doesn't mean everybody in Israel acts the way they're supposed to act. And that's what makes us scared. But to the degree they do and when they do, then we can fall back on Isaiah 41. So it's actually a very interesting Haftarah in that way, in my opinion. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I want to thank, once again, this is a memory, tribute memory of Yaakov Gutman ben Yehoshua, uh, of Gorol Jake Shuchman, whose neshama um, is going to have an aliyah because of the way his family acts. Uh, anyway, with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.